Hello and welcome to the Forbes India Cover Story podcast series in association with theindicast.com. My name is Abhishek and this year Forbes celebrates its 14th anniversary and to talk about the special anniversary edition we have with us Brian Carvalho editor Forbes India. Thanks a lot Brian for doing this. Thanks Abhishek it's been a long time since I'm on your show. <laughs> yes. Okay. Thanks and and, and uh, congratulations yet again for Thanks. this landmark you're entering the 15th year and uh, since the time Forbes uh, came into being Forbes India rather the world has indeed turned upside down can, can you just paint a picture of how the world was back in 2009 uh, when the first cover came out and uh, of course you've been around for a while so it's it's been quite a journey yes it has i think first uh, to begin with Forbes India's first issue was launched 14 years ago and the date was June 5th 2009 yeah and that was a pretty significant turbulent time i think we were just coming out of the global financial crisis right and from the media point of view i think print publishing was just beginning to feel the jolts after 2008 i would stick my neck out to say that it's never been the same as it was pre 2008 still i would say that print was still considered at most media outlets as the primary pillar So coming back to the Forbes India first issue I think that was a blockbuster issue of sorts you know it was an incisive deep dive into the challenge that lay ahead of global steel tycoon Lakshmi Mittal primarily he was dealing with a global slump in steel prices as well as this was at a time when his debt levels were burgeoning and uh, the second issue was equally high profile actually and and pretty significant come to think of it it examined the impact of infosys founders nr narana murthy and nandan nilakani exiting the company will infosys be the same ever again that was the question asked on the cover as far as i remember right and the answer perhaps lies in the fact that both both returned as chairman right murthy yeah. first in 2013 and nilakani another four years later to fight fires of different kinds and thus the forbes india bandwagon began to roll I by the way came on board only in 2017 there were at least three editors that I remember before me the founding editor Indrajit Gupta R Jagannathan after him who was also the first editor I worked with incidentally in the 90s at Business World right, right. and and then uh, my predecessor was Saurabh Majumdar one thing as a reader and as a dispassionate one as much as i would like to be or call myself even the illustrations i remember one vividly a brand long ago where i think it was hard for your photographers to catch hold of the air india chairman at the time because there was a deadline they clicked the picture of the seat on which he sits it was a, it, nobody was sitting there and the headline read probably he's out saving the airline or something some such so <laughs> it's yeah there there is a lot of creative uh... license out there on you know i think one can do many things with the cover and make them as provocative as possible and i think uh, designers and editors have have tried that over the past forbes has a globally has a standard uh, a very standard look where you put a personality on the cover right i mean of course that doesn't stop us from playing with typographical covers sometimes or illustrations also yeah but it's largely it's largely personality led so typically it leads with the human face having said that i think there's there's plenty of scope to be very creative with photographs also and and i team here particularly tries that well, well i imagine then that your team keeps you on on your toes how was it this time was it any kind of pressure leading up to such uh, an edition of this kind i mean what should we cover or was it a problem of plenty with the team pitching you ideas how does that work it was pretty interesting there were a lot of ideas and you know i think it was getting difficult to kind of pin 
pinnavan one and then uh, our deputy editor ruchika shah actually came up with the idea and, and i think in hindsight it's worked out brilliantly that we kind of revisit some of the personalities we put on the cover over the past 14 years you know because magazine covers over a sufficiently long period do tell the story right and and as forbes india celebrates its 14th anniversary you know a journey back to the issues of the past 14 years tells a largely inspirational story of gutsy entrepreneurship and leadership of companies and their leaders who endured and persisted with their vision and values you know so what we did is essentially we picked out 15 personalities who featured on the covers and we requested them to join the dots from the time they were featured times have changed since the time they were uh, featured as well right i think i, I read one about uh, arundhati bhattacharya the boss of salesforce india when i think she Absolutely. was featured back in 2014 when she was the former boss of sbi and now it's it's a different world that she has inherited from the predecessor so there are quite a few stories like these Yeah yeah that was a pretty interesting one actually Arundhati Bhattacharya was on the cover in March 2014 if i'm not wrong when she was at the helm of the state bank of india and and almost a decade later we went back to her and asked her to pen her journey from sbi to salesforce where she is now chairperson and ceo i was reading her biography last night actually and and a very interesting thing popped up there i mean she had to be called chairman at sbi because of the sbi act you know that yeah that that uh, said that the person at the top has to be called chairman and nothing else you know probably they never foresee that a woman would be in charge right and and i think in the same vein miss bhattacharya has written a very beautiful and candid piece on how she evolved as a leader if time permits i will read out an excerpt from a piece yeah it, it it goes like this when i took on the role and this is a sbi role i was naive and my expectations were not always realistic however as time went by i gained a deeper understanding of the challenges and opportunities that lay ahead right and then she goes on to talk about the process of maturity as a leader uh, to quote as a leader i've grown and become more patient or let's say less impatient about timelines i understand that much more needs to be done in the area of personally appreciating people i don't think i do that enough when some, something goes wrong i tend to concentrate solely on that and overlook the things that are going right and that's not good i'm striving to ensure that people around me know that i appreciate them i've also realized that a leader can't solely focus on bringing about change only from the bottom the vision and direction must be set at the top and good practices should be for, should flow from there to the bottom however it's crucial to involve the entire organization in the process understanding of the challenges and opportunities that lay ahead right so it's 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 a very candid kind of uh, it's full of wisdom you know and this is this is a lady you've seen at all i mean she started as a probationary officer in sbi and she never dreamt herself that she would be the head of sbi almost 10 years later she is a uh, chairperson of a global tech company in india and they are different like chalk and cheese uh, one is regulated and banking the other one is you know unhinged so to speak in terms of <laughs> innovation and you can you Absolutely. know try and do things in agile whereas i i have a friend who works in a bank i won't name it he says uh-huh. even to make a small change on an app Uh, you need to have 25 different sign offs uh, and and make sure that the uh, regulatory authorities also have a green light on it so it's a different uh, two different worlds altogether i think that's that's one thing that is common among the the essays that uh, have been penned by these yeah. uh, folks who've been featured before is that uh, irrespective of the domain that are in 
that they are in. They've seamlessly transitioned or have been okay to take risks, whether it is Francisco de Souza, who uh, you commissioned as uh, chief emerging officer at Cognizant back in 2012, yeah. uh, to, to maybe Snapdeal founders uh, 2016 when you featured them. I think you hit the nail on the head when you talked about Francisco de Souza, who made it to our cover in May 2012. And he was christened chief emerging officer, as you said, for his role, for his efforts to reinvent Cognizant and his role itself of that of the CEO. You know, and now 11 years later, D'Souza is now founder of a private equity, equity company, you know, so that's, that's quite a transformation. And that's exactly what D'Souza writes. He says that, you know, recognize sees an opportunity to work with the next generation of service winners to create new models to deliver technology services. You know, so he's already, he's looking at the future. Right. And that's exactly what he was doing 11 years ago. A similar story of evolution would be that of, you know, Rohini Nilinkani, the philanthropist uh, power excellence. Right. Uh, a decade ago, again, in 2013, we had featured her on the cover of our Heroes of Philanthropy alongside her husband, uh, co-founder of Infosys, Nandan Nilinkani, for backing many social causes, you know, which at other times people felt they were pretty risky, but they went ahead. And now she looks back, she kind of admits that not only has she come a long way, but the entire philanthropy in India has, has changed along the way. You know, and then she says, you know, when I look back on how far we've come, I feel cautious optimism for the future of Indian philanthropy. There's been a subtle but significant transformation in the approach to social causes. You know, that, that's very encouraging to hear. Of course, there's a lot more that can be done, but we've come a long way since in terms of giving from where we were a decade ago. Right. And and also, Bran, as an editor, do you encourage more stories from, let's say, not just the world of business, but say sports or anything else that may not be directly related to capitalism? For instance, I I think before the World <laughs> Cup, uh, it was uh, Kunal Purandare and Kathakiri Chanda had written some feature on uh, cricket. You also have Vishwanathan Anand uh, who writing an essay oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. in this one. Yeah, he's an, in fact uh, one of the three covers we have, you know. And and actually, uh, when I was looking back through all the Forbes India covers, I think one of my favorites is the one that we did in July, back in July 2010. Uh, just to remind you that I wasn't editing Forbes India then, right? And this one had the Grandmaster on the cover, and and theme was his lessons for winning, you know, because I think uh, Anand became GM at 18 in 1988. You know, and I would argue that he's probably one of the first Indian sportspersons with a killer instinct. I think many people imagine that chess is a very docile game, but it isn't. Probably it calls for a lot of aggression. And that killer instinct is absolutely necessary if you're going to beat people like Kasparov and the others that Anand beat at that time. And the important thing is that Anand now has given a whole new generation you know, that confidence that they too can become GMs. Just think about it. Uh, Anand was GM when he was 18 in 1988, the first GM. Today, India has 81 GMs. And Anand is confident that, you know, we'll have many more of them. And he's actually written, I suspect that absolute acceptance of India's prowess in chess came in the last 10 years, when more and more Indian youngsters were present in tournaments. And as these kids started to play top players and defeat them, people started to acknowledge India as a powerhouse. You know, so so and, and it all goes back to the first GM. In fact, I remember in one of his interviews, he said that uh, people around him found it hard to believe that he made he played chess for a living because they would ask him, OK, <laughs> you play chess. All right. But what do you do for a living? So things have changed, obviously, since then. Yeah, I think it calls for a lot of investment, not just financial, yeah. but I think his family also devoted a lot of time, including his wife and in his earlier days, his mother too. Right. 
to make him what he is today. Yes, and and in the interest of time, uh, uh, Brian, is there anything else that you'd like to cover? Any other highlights that uh, you found were interesting in in this package that the listener can uh, be privy to? Wealth of information, right? And and the best part is that, as you said, we we revisited some of our personalities from diverse fields. You know, so we have heads of traditional manufacturing businesses like Polycab and Dixon Technologies. We have founders of internet businesses like Snapdeal, right, in its earlier avatar. And more recently, you know, the more happening startups like Mama Earth. As I said, we also went back to the stalwarts of philanthropy like Rohini Nilekani and Amit Chandra. And from the world of entertainment, we have Kamal Hassan, which is, a, I mean, his essay is as fascinating and fascinating as his roles in his movies and his act. And then, of course, from sports, there's Vishyan. And, you know, so it's quite an eclectic mix. And I would definitely say with obvious interest that it's worth picking up this issue. Lovely. Thank you so much, Brian, for your time. On that note, it's time to wrap this one up. And all the best with all the celebrations, whatever it is that you might have planned at the offices. Across oh, yeah. India. <laughs> we'll do that. Yeah. Thanks, Thank, Thank you. you, Brian. Thank you so much. All you listeners, you can get this podcast on ForbesIndia.com or any other app that you use to download your podcasts. And to have someone call you for a Forbes India subscription, message Forbes to 51818.